0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M, and joining me in studio is absolutely nobody, because for the first time since 2019, the one and only Padawan J is not in studio. He's on vacation, so shout-out to Pad. You can try hitting him up on Twitter. I don't know if he's going to be answering back, because he is taking some well-deserved R&R. But fear not, because live via Zoom, straight out of Brooklyn, is one of our favorite people. He is ODPH family. He is part of the team. And let me give a little background story, because I get hit up a lot about how we met our co-host today. So let's take it back to New York Comic Con 2019. And obviously, if you've been a longtime listener to the ODPH, you know that that was one of our favorite cons of all time, we met a lot of our fellow podcasters, amazing people, and we also met an amazing person too on Saturday morning at the DC Nation panel line. Because as Pat and I are waiting to get in, we hear a voice go, what is going on at this panel? And we turn around and we start talking and we're having a great conversation, and all of a sudden this gentleman goes, hey, by the way, my name is Andre, it is nice to meet you. Since that point, We kind of got dispersed during the line of the panel. And then a couple weeks went by, didn't really hear anything. And then we get the nicest DM we ever get on ODPH Twitter, at ODParlayHour if you want to follow and drop that. And it is a compliment from somebody that went back through the entire catalog, gave us honest feedback about the show, and just said, I love your show and it is nice. And since that point, he has been a content contributor to us, We always kind of say he's a production assistant if we have to give an official title because he gives us takes that nobody else does. He helps us out with the show. He is a supporter of the brand, but we don't even like to say he's a fan. He is family of the show. And this has been a long time coming. Ladies and gentlemen of the ODPH Society, please welcome to the podcast the one and only Dre Driven. Dre what is going on hey podcast world this is
1: your boy dre what's going on i'm finally here um shout out to ken josh aka the plug we will miss you yes if you can't wait to hear you again and also shout out to the you know the hashtag 607 and rich and coach and everybody else and um, once again i'm honored to be here with with ken and i'm just happy to be involved and Um, nice way to have you met. We met that way. You met at Comic-Con. Um, you know, they got kicked out one of the panels. I think it was that panel, but it it
0: wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that one. That was an undisclosed panel that, uh, pad, uh, yeah, pad, pad made some friends that weekend. So, uh, it wasn't that one, but it was shortly thereafter.
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah. All right. So yeah, but thank you. Thank you. Once again, guys, I look forward to this discussion with Ken in the in the hashtag six oh seven people. Let's
0: go. Yeah, exactly, man. No, thank you for coming on. And this like I said, this has been a long time coming. Dre is always hollering at us on Twitter. At Dre Driven83, if you're not following, you need to drop that follow already. Dre is always chiming in, got some great takes with us. We gotta get more of Mundre reactions from you though. I'm gonna put that out there right now in the ether. That we need more of that on oh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah I, I
1: kinda fell off. I know, I know. I gotta kinda fell off on that, but I gotta get back on it. Yeah, you're right, you're right.
0: Yeah, but sooner than later. I mean, I, I, we might even put that as a blog for on, on ODPAR, ODPHpodcast.com. See, I'm that amped up to talk today that the normal smooth intro is not happening because, seriously, this has been a long time coming. We're super excited to be talking about everything going on in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. So if you want to find out more ODPH, swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram pod chaser, drop that five star review while you're there. Check out the T Public store. New blogs coming out this week, and so much more. And always remember to use the hashtag #ODPHPod. But Dre, we have got to talk about arguably one of the biggest debuts of a season thus far of one of our favorite shows, and this is what we're gonna kick off this entertainment edition of the podcast with: talking DC Universe slash HBO Max Titans. Now, when this show debuted. In 2018, kind of had a lot of mixed reviews, and obviously the trailer that debuted left everybody asking, why is Robin yelling F-Batman? Since that point, the show has been kind of a little roller coaster ride with fans. It's been very strong in certain areas, and really kind of weaker in others with two seasons down, and finally season three dropped. So Dre, before we start jumping into season three, which had three strong episodes in my opinion, give us your reaction to seasons one and two of Titans. Well, um, I was excited, you know, because
1: I watched the Teen Titans um, and when it was on. So I was excited to see it. Um, first season, you know, I enjoy. I kind of did enjoy um, the second season of War Show. You know, that's one of my best villains that they had on there. Um, you know, it was kind of weird that they ended. They started season two with season one um, finale. I agree. But it was reasons for that, you know. So, I mean, I understand the reasons for that. But it was strong. Um, I enjoyed it. And like I said, this season three hit us with three amazing episodes. And I just can't wait till the rest of the season um, continues.
0: Yeah, so what we're going to start doing is we are going to start talking about spoilers for season three of Titans. Because there is a lot to digest. So if you have not seen the episodes yet... We're going to tell you right now, we give you fair warning, we talk spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled, pause the podcast right here and then catch up on those episodes and jump right back in. But if you're like a lot of people we know, we binge watch this weekend, we have a lot to discuss. So we give you that sounder, because in three, two, one, we are talking spoilers. Dre, what did you think? It was so strong, a really good start. Um...
1: I like how they show, you know, Jason Todd being Jason Todd and getting, you know, Dickie could take on um, Joker by himself. And Batman, Ian Ian Grant, um, Ian, Ian Glenn, sorry, is his name. And I think he's a great Bruce Wayne. I'm not sure how he is as a Batman, but as Bruce Wayne, he's amazing. And he told him, Jason, don't go after Joker. Leave it alone. I'll be home in the morning. But what happened? Hard-headed Jason didn't want to listen, and he paid the price when he went on his own to try to fight the Joker. If you know the story, you know what happened.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. I mean, obviously, a lot of stuff was jumping in from Season two's finale, which was, like, all over the place for me. Like, it was not one of my favorite finales. I had a lot of criticism about it. But we do jump in with Jason Todd, played by Curran Walters, in the Batcave, and we know that obviously last season we all thought he was killed off. They did a kind of a little homage to death in the family, but they didn't go full Joker with it then. But this season we get kind of the ramifications about it because Batman, played by Ian Glenn, is not in Gotham. But Robin is kind of thinking that he needs to go fight the Joker and takes something that looks like Venom, which was what Bane takes in an inhaler, and decides to go... F the Joker, and puts on a broken Robin suit. Heads to the amusement park, and he sees a Joker-fied guard. And obviously, you know something's wrong. He turns around and gets hit right in the face with an infamous crowbar. So that right then and there, within the first moments of Season 3, Episode 1, we have Death in the Family. And this one, I, I sat back as a fan and said, Wow, we're going there. Okay. was very, very excited about this. But then we yeah. do. Oh, yeah. go go ahead, Dre.
1: Yes, yeah, so I was excited about it, too. You know, um, and whoever played the Joker character, we didn't see his face, but he did a pretty good job of beating down Jason Todd. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know if they're going to have anything come back later, even though something was alluded to in the show, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But what we have is the news of this finally gets back to San Francisco. And we do have a quick little homage of the Teen Titans finally working all together. Dick Grayson is now fully Nightwing, played by Brendan Thwaites. Uh, Starfire, played by Anna Diop, is in the scene. Ryan Potter plays Beast Boy. And we do have Joshua Orpin playing Connor. And we even get Crypto, which I was very surprised at in this scene. And we do see them stopping a chemical heist. Now, when you finally see this team working together, what was your initial reaction, Dre?
1: I said it's about time. Um, it was they worked well together. Um, and if, if you notice that, if you watch your Teen Titans um, TV um, cartoon, Gizmo is a really big problem for them. If you right, if you know Gizmo from the Teen Titans, it was nice to see him as an adult, and they worked pretty really well. Um, Nightwing did his thing with those sticks. Um, Beast Boy. Um, he did a great job. Hopefully, get to change to other animals. We'll begin to say that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody, they was on point. And then Crypto was the real um, savior of the um, of that scene
0: when we get to that point. <laughs> yeah, I was completely surprised by that. The sea suddenly now uses superpowers. It, it was a wild scene, but it definitely works. And now our Teen Titans are now celebrities in San Francisco, which is it was kind of weird seeing that aspect. Because they're doing interviews post-fight, except Nightwing, who stays in the shadows, which it definitely was a little surprising to hear. But we do finally see that with everything going on, there's a little more background going on. Starfire is getting a phone call from a hookup that she had from season two. And that is playing a point because we do know when we saw her last that there is not everything is right with her. And obviously we're going to see a little more of her history come in on this season as well. So they did kind of tease that a little bit. But the major driving point is Dick Grayson is now called back to Gotham. And we do see an introduction. Before we get
1: there, before we get there,
0: Ken, we had to.
1: Let have to remember, you know, Superboy, you know, he, um, a celebrity and so-so, you know, the um, cop acts was autographed and he was like, um, the scene he told Beast Boy, what mine? He said, well, you don't meet a super every day. So I was like, wow, that was kind of cold. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, okay, but hey, it's the truth. I mean, you don't see a super every day. And Beast Boy, he was well aware of that after the cop told him that.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. Like the one thing that they were really trying to drive a point with this season, and you'll see, like with the three episodes that you that have already aired, is they're kind of playing off like the brotherly aspect between Beast Boy and Superboy. Like they're trying to one up each other all the time. It kind of reminds me a little bit in the sense of Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm in the comics for Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. Yep. But then when we finally get that call to Gotham, we do see an introduction of a young tim drake which was very very cool to see played by jay Lukurgo. and we kind of see the little introduction that he's still the one holding out hope for batman even though it seems like most of the city has turned against him and i do thought it was interesting that the cops called him a sociopath so dre what were you what was your take on that
1: I mean you know Batman he's works in the shadows you know they can he's a sophiopath. they said somebody wearing um um as in some kind of at leather or something like that um and as always been Batman's thing he's never really a hero hero to a certain extent to a lot of people um and you know Leo was up 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 the cops because the cops can't get their job done And he called then who calls him Gordon calls him Batman and he takes care of the job that the cops can't do so you know it's gonna be resentment there. It always been resentment there with that.
0: Yeah, no, I thought they played that very well, too. And obviously, Tim Drake is the one holding out hope, even though he comes back to the restaurant he's working at, and he does see right on the screen Robin found dead. So it has been allegedly confirmed, because we always say in comics until you see a body, uh, nobody's really dead. The Robin has been killed, and with uh, Dick Grayson now coming back to Gotham, he does go right to Wayne Manor, and he does see Bruce in the Batcave and this was just very reminiscent in the comics after Jason Todd was killed, that Bruce Wayne went right back to work, being very standoffish, very cold, and acting like business is still going on, like nothing has really stopped the quest for vengeance. And I thought this was a very interesting scene. How about you, Dre?
1: Yes, I I I I, uh, I agree. It was an interesting scene. Um, and and um. It- Called him on on his on his baloney. He said, You the one that told me I have to grieve and, and get through this when I lost, you know, who I lost. But now you ain't doing the same thing. You gotta do the same thing. So he's trying to he's kinda of, he had to set Batman straight because Batman um he practice he, he preaches, but he don't practice what he preached. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it kinda of ties into what you see a lot of times in the comics where he's the head of the family but yet he'll say one thing and do another because he feels that that's right or that's supposed to be the way, and that often causes conflicts with the rest of the Bat family. And I thought they presented this on the screen very well. Like I was super happy seeing this because I wasn't sure exactly what the vibe was going to be, but we do see that Bruce Wayne is not really grieving and just really shut himself down, and I thought that really played off well because once we see that he is shut down. Dick Grayson is also looking help for, or looking for help from somebody else, and runs into an old friend, Commissioner Barbara Gordon, played by Savannah Welch, and we kind of get the vibe that something has been really wrong between those two for a lot of years, and we do get a little background about what happens to the original Commissioner Gordon, and he was actually killed during a battle with Mister Freeze. He had a heart attack after. I thought that was an interesting twist on a story. What about you, Dre?
1: Yes. Um, yeah, that was a good, interesting twist. Um, I didn't see that coming with, you know, um, that he got killed by, you know, um, Mr. Freeze. I think that was a really good twist. And Bravo, that, that's what the, more of the beef came comes with on um, Bruce because of that. He, she said he pushed his father, his father, to do this and do that. He pushed my father to do this. And he lost his life trying to follow you. And... That could, and like I said, that kind of gave us a taste of the, um, one of the one of the many reasons they fell out, you know, besides her getting shot by the Joker.
0: Yeah, which I do love that they addressed that point because obviously that's a big moment in comics history. And they also addressed that Alfred is gone too. So the history of Gotham is definitely switched up on the show, which I do like. And it kind of really emphasizes why Bruce Wayne is so standoffish because he doesn't have his direct core around him. He's just had Jason Todd, who he basically took back in but really wasn't ready to deal with him and his impulsiveness so when this is all going on dick is trying to orchestrate a meeting between the three of them and this is kind of where all the uh emotions are coming out too so i thought this was very interesting what is going on and then we kind of have the rest of the team is now slowly coming to gotham albeit though not everybody has made the trip because we do find out that raven has gone to try to resurrect donna troy thoughts on that trey
1: Um. Yeah, I think that was um. That's a little. I I I don't know if it was that that happened in the comics. I'm sorry to say, but I think that was a little um weird. But it's understandable. I guess she's kind of like OG OG powered. Mm -hmm. So maybe they don't really need her. (laughs) Don't really need her right now (laughs) to deal with Mister Um Jason Todd. That could be the case too, but um, I, I know she got to be back sometime
0: this season. Yeah,
1: but it was you know that's weird that she went there to help out with that.
0: Well, I, I think she feels so guilt ridden about everything. I mean, that's the one thing that she does wear on her sleeve a lot is uh, uh, heavily emotions. And obviously, I believe that she's one of the youngest members of the team. Tegan Croft plays Raven on the show, and she really emphasizes emphasizes that that you can definitely tell that she is really taking this to heart because. For being on the team, this is the first real family she's had, and they've taken up so much of her drama that she feels really responsible for everybody, and then when what happens with Donna is definitely weighing heavy on her shoulders, so she's trying to do everything she can to bring her back. But when you try resurrecting people in comics nine out of ten times, it goes very, very badly. And we do kind of, we'll allude to that just a little later when we're talking on the show here, but we do see that uh, Dick Grayson is kind of investigating what is going on because he's saying, okay, what happened with Jason to make him go after the Joker after he was told not to? And with Bruce not giving him any clues, he decides to go take a venture through Gotham and goes to an abandoned warehouse where it looks like somebody has been making chemicals. Of what sort, we don't know because Dick is kind of investigating. He does get interrupted by a presumably drug dealer and takes care of him with relative ease, escapes out of there, goes back to the cave. Trying to do an analysis and then he goes searching through the back computer. And Dre, what does he find when he's searching through the computer?
1: Well, he finds um well a couple of things. He found he first of all he went to get to take the chemical back to try to find the compound of what um Mr. Todd was working on that in that abandoned warehouse. But you also see Batman is trying to replace Jason. And yes. Jason just got killed. So he was like, you trying to replace people? him already, and he just died? What's wrong with you?
0: That's yeah. basically what he told him. Yeah, that was a wild scene, because you see some familiar Robins. Carrie Kelly makes an appearance. Stephanie Brown, the spoiler. You do see the signal in a quick glimpse. It is very crazy that he's had this backup file. But then again, we need to remember, Batman is one of the most well-known overthinkers in all of the DC Comics universe, if not all of comics. So it wasn't that big of a shock, but it was to Dick Grayson because basically he said, you've had a backup plan this entire time. And Batman really explains why he needs a Robin, which does tie into the comic, too. I can't emphasize that enough. The Lonely Place Dying and Death in the Family. Like You really get the driven point of why Batman needs Robin. But once they have their fallout, it gets kind of crazy. And then we have the final scene of episode one, which Bruce is basically walking away from the cowl and says, You be a better Batman, dick. In a very intense scene. What do you feel about that, Trey?
1: Yes, not only that, as, as before, right after he does apparently kill Joker and beat him to death, and yeah. he came in and said, You be a better Batman. So dick is waking up but like, first scared to wake up to wake up from sleeping and see something like that like this is insane um but batman then batman told him before he was like um i need you i need you i need your help i need your help and he had he he was getting beat up beat up on by dick by by not doing this and not doing that and he took it matters in his own hand and he told him um, you could be a better Batman, so he walks away and d- disappears until the night, like Batman normally do.
0: Yeah, it was an absolutely intense scene. So, final thoughts on the season premiere of Titans, Dre?
1: I think it was an excellent start. I think it was an excellent beginning. Um, a nice jumping off point. I mean, it started with it. It started a tense, at, at tense, intensified, and it was really um. On point, I enjoyed it. Um, it was a solid beginning, so I think it's one of the best solid. This had to be the best in um intro to the season so far with this one episode.
0: Yeah, I fully agree. This was probably their strongest premiere thus far, a lot better, light years better. Cannot emphasize this enough, a million times better than season two's premiere because season two's premiere was 40 minutes of season one and then 10 15 minutes of season two beginnings. So this definitely fixed a lot of the issues that I was kind of worried about going in. And obviously, with the show going to be more focused in Gotham this season, I think that adds a completely different element. And obviously, digging into the history of Nightwing and Bruce Wayne, it's going to lead to a lot of craziness going on. I'm very excited to see where we go. But we are not done talking Titans, but we're going to sneak out on a quick break. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What was your thoughts about the season premiere of Titans? Because when Dre and I come back, we're deep diving into episodes two and three. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. What's up, nerds? Tyler Mack here from the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Bad Cast Company Productions. Now here at the show, we like
2: to enlighten, educate, and entertain about all things nerd culture. So when you're done with this amazing show you're listening to, go ahead and check us out wherever you cast your pod. That's 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Also... Check out our website, 30andnerdypodcast.com, and we are all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Let's get you back to the show. You are currently tuned in to the boys of the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour,
0: our nerd council brothers. Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with the one and only Dre Driven on the line. Let us talk some more, Titans. Shall we, Dre?
1: Yes, let's go.
0: So we gave you the breakdown of the season premiere, but they dropped two more episodes on HBO Max, and we have to definitely keep that spoiler talk going because they did not waste any time hitting the ground running. Episode 2 kicks off with a crime meeting of the families. And we do see just some shadiness going on in Gotham, but with for us Gotham fans, Dre, that's nothing really new, is it?
1: No, it's nothing new. And I must say, that scene was straight out of the movie.
0: Yes, I have fully agree. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that scene was absolutely wild because you see the family, uh, crime families are kind of sitting around a table, and then a bag drops from the ceiling, and then you hear this shadowy voice make its appearance. And you can't really tell who it is, but then coming out of the shadows, we know it from the comics, and I have to give full credit to the costume designers on Titans. Cause yes. man, oh man, how good was that red hood suit? It
1: looked straight out the comics, straight out the cartoon. It was on point. That the way he takes it off is so dope. I opened up the front. I me, oh that was that was on point. And I didn't think the actor could pull it off because he's not that tall of a guy. <laughs> but no, he did no. A good job with it, though.
0: Yeah, you know, Kern Walters definitely did a great job with it. And he comes in and definitely makes a quick appearance because when he's telling everybody, open the bag, we find out that he has killed everybody that is a number two in the organizations and stuffed them in a bag. A little gory, a little very intense, shall we say, to put it mildly, Dre? Mm, yeah, a little bit. A little, tad, a little bit. Yeah. Not for
1: little
0: kids to watch. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, this show is definitely not what you see on Cartoon Network. So if, if you are not familiar with uh, how they do things on Titans, it is a very, very adult version of the t- the Teen Titans. And they did not pull any punches with this episode, nor have they done the entire series. But once we see that the number twos have all been stuffed in the bag, the Red Hood makes a quote-unquote deal with everybody He wants 40% of all the protection earnings. And he says, Batman is retired. Which is an absolute wild statement to see. But this does echo a lot of when the Red Hood made his reappearance after all those years in Batman comics. So I thought they played this off very well. And then they kind of do another time jump a little bit across the states. Because we do get caught up to Washington, D.C., and we do see a couple familiar faces make their appearance. We see Alan Richardson play Hawk. And Hawk is not exactly the Hawk we remember from the past two seasons, is he, Dre?
1: No, he's not. I didn't recognize him when I first saw him when he came on the scene. I said, like, oh, wait, wait, oh, that's Hawk. Oh, my bad. I didn't notice him.
0: Yeah. No, it took me a second with a mustache. And uh, he is now a bike cop which was a kind of a weird vibe. I'm not going to lie. I was like, it took me a second. I was like, wait, what is going on here? But yes, he has now Mm -hmm. gone into that retirement mode from being a superhero. But we do see his partner in crime, Minka Kelly, playing Dove again, and they do stop a potential criminal. And we definitely know there's a little more tension going on between them because Dove is in full costume, and obviously we see Hawk is riding his bicycle. And they are definitely not on the same page and Dove is basically calling him out for retiring. I thought it was kind of an interesting scene. What about you, Dre?
1: Yes, I mean I I'm I'm vaguely familiar how it ended last season, but I thought they ended on good terms last season, so I was shocked that she was showing him so much like shade in in this episode. So.
0: Well, they they kind of have like a small falling out and it's it, with them they always go back and forth. I mean, it's it's kind of what they've been doing the entire time because remember in season 1, Hawk was not exactly too happy that she was back in the Titan Fold because of the romance she had with Nightwing. So they've they they they've always kind of been on edge, but when Hawk wanted to finally retire and lay low, she didn't want to go that route. She still wants to be a hero. So then when we see her make her appearance in Gotham with the rest of the team, it's definitely a, an interesting scene because when Hawk finally arrives, he shocks everybody. But this is all stemming on the news that Bruce Wayne has left Gotham because he's murdered the Joker, which, I mean, that was still such a wild scene to to hear. And then for... Bruce Wayne to take off from Gotham yet again, I mean, this is something he's done in the past, correct?
1: yeah, yes, plenty of times he been have done this in the past, disappeared, reappeared, disappeared,
0: reappears
1: yeah yeah he's not it's not it's not it's not a new a new um a new thing for mr Bruce Wayne to do to do
0: yeah, he does that from time to time, like when he needs to take a a a vacation, he just disappears and for whatever reason, but obviously he knows that he has crossed his moral code line and he has to deal with it because that was the one line that he's been very, very firm about is not killing the Joker. And it's always been something in comics that everybody's been wondering. It's like, why has that been allowed? And he always allows the Joker to you know go to God, go to arkham even though he knows he's going to get out. It's always been the kind of like the fine line like when is when for that and when is Bruce Wayne going to just finally say enough is enough. It's always been that tension point between them. But Bruce Wayne always holds his morals, which is a good thing because of being a superhero, you shouldn't cross that line. Yes. Um, but I'm thought is out here Ken. Yeah. Did he actually kill Joker
1: or S- did somebody set him up or make him feel like he did it because we have somebody else that appears in this episode too. That's good with manipulating people's
0: minds. We are on the same page about this. I, I was going to bring it up later, but we are definitely on the same page. Because with Bruce Wayne taking off, and he was acting very erratic too. And obviously, I think he's in a state of shock because he's obviously lost won a Robin, you know, a sidekick that has been under his watch. We definitely know that he's not in a good mental place. But we never saw officially a body of the Joker has just been said that he's been killed. And then again, this is comics, so unless you're Ben Parker, nobody ever stays dead. So we'll have to wait and see. But I want to come back to that point, though, and I'm glad you brought that up. Because once this whole mystery goes, we finally get introduced to that character that you're referring to. Because we see that once Dick Grayson is hanging around Gotham PD, there's a stranger that comes up to the pay window at a, at a bank with a note that she needs to see Nightwing or something in that variation, and she's definitely distraught. She's in a red hood and there's something <clears throat> completely wrong with this. And then we see that she's absolutely terrified, so they bring her into an interrogation room in the PD, and this scene gets freaking wild. I gotta admit this. I I had like very, very uh, crazy vibes going on with this because we see that she has something engraved in her arm.
1: Yeah, before we before we go, Ken. And it's kind of similar to the Dark
0: Knight movie. Thank you, so yes. Remember that scene? Yes. Yeah, it, it definitely is when the Joker plants a bomb inside one of his henchmen. Yeah, this definitely brought back some of those kind of vibes to it. And I I, I applaud them for going this route because this, to deal with what they're dealing with, I mean, death of, Death in the Family is not a very nice story i mean it's very very to the point bone chilling and to see how they portrayed it on screen i think they're doing it the right method and especially dealing with how they want to establish the red hood in this too because we have to remember when jason todd first came back he was not exactly the anti-hero we know him as now so i thought they did yeah. a really good job about that what about you Yes, they did. Yes, they
1: did a good job with that because he was an anti-hero. You know, he's has been a loose cannon. Jason Todd, he's been a loose cannon. But, you know, Jason Todd had to go so we could get,
0: you know, our boy. Yeah, Hood. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> once we see the woman uh, has a number engraved on her arm and when Barbara Gordon is calling it, uh, she starts screaming and basically kills herself. And then this scene was freaking nuts. She snaps her own neck Mm -hmm. to make it stop, Yes, which I was like, holy shit. I I was like, okay, did not see this coming, but all right, here we are. So Dick Grayson knows that there is something going on, and they do know that she had some chemical in her system as well. And then the big bombshell, which you were kind of alluding to as well, we get introduced to a criminal profiler that – Dick Grayson, and I think the rest of the DC fandom watching went, What? Jonathan Crane, played by Vincent uh is introduced, and Scarecrow is now working with the Gotham PD. What was your reaction to this? I was
1: shocked, and it's not the first time. As Barbara alluded, he's been working with them for a while now, undercover. Um so I was like, whoa, they are using him to help them out. I don't know how that's going to work out <laughs> for the Gotham PD.
0: Yeah, it is just it's it's absolutely crazy cuz Carverizer and I apologize if I, was, if I messed the name up earlier. I definitely made his presence felt early because once Dick goes to see him, it's so like Silence of the Lambs-esque. Uh just it's creepy of how he's putting this all together. And he is basically guiding Dick into this person is jealous of you. And he starts bringing up about the chess match after he's basically sitting there smoking something in his jail cell. It is what it is. I was like, okay, if this is how he's helping the Gotham PD and they're saying okay about it, sure. But
1: You might add that he is down at the bottom of Arkham by himself. Nobody around in all the cell, but he's by himself. That's another red flag. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why Gotham PD is not noticing it. That's not good. (laughs)
0: But, you you know. You know, Arkham is such a weird place in how they do their business. Like, the Gotham PD, in my opinion, just turns a blind eye to a lot that goes on over there. And this is why they have so many problems. But I digress. I mean, they're working with them. So you got to wonder, like, something's going on there. And then we do see that when Hawk is making his way through the back cave, we do have a fight between him and Dove. So now, I mean, he's finally come to the team. And obviously, it's a different vibe than what they were expecting because there's that friction going on. But there really isn't any time for them to really get into their issues because we have a Joker-esque heist going on at the bank, which, I mean, this was an intense scene to go on, that with how the Red Hood was playing everybody about this bank robbery. Like, I mean, how do you, how would you describe this scene, Dre?
1: It was really um, smart. And big up to Detective Dick. He learned a lot from Batman because he went to investigate different places. That he told the team to go check out different homes. And he put two of the two together, once again, rep. They go up to him and Bruce Wayne and Batman for teaching them that because he was able to put together what was actually going on
0: at the bank. Yeah. like It was just kind of crazy how they did it where the Red Hood was singling out these families and kidnapping their children and basically forcing them to rob a bank of $25 million. But then it's kind of in a situation where you have the Titans coming in and they tell... Barbara to stand down and, you know, with everything going on. And then it gets kind of wild that they go in and they do that and have that kind of interaction with the parents. And even though they have Beast Boy and Super Boy underneath the bank in the parking lot and they're investigating they find the children and then all of a sudden they go and they take a look and then it turns out the other band is actually the parents. So they've been set up the entire time. By the criminal organization that is paying the Red Hood, and then it's too late because they set off a smoke bomb. Explosions are going off all over the place, and then they have now been ripped off for twenty-five million dollars, which is just the Red Hood is one step ahead of them. It's such an he's
1: yeah, ins- like ten steps ahead of them, and that messes up that messes up him and Barbara's situation now because now she looking like an idiot. She's mad because you listen to him. And now the so called cool nature that they had at once and when they came back together is out the window now because of, of the Red Hood.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he's definitely manipulating everybody. And then when we finally get to where Dick finally catches up with him after all this is going on, too. Because I mean, Dick is now has his back against the wall. He's hell bent about tracking him down. And then he finally does get a chance to confront him. They do have a battle going on. Dick hits him with his uh, taser bully or billy clubs. And then he does chip away at the mask. And then lo and behold, what we all know, Jason Todd is not dead. He is very much well alive and he is the red hood. Wow. Yes.
1: Yes. And then I like the part that they brought out in episode two, when it was when, Oh, my bad. You can probably get there later. Um, you're going to get there soon, but I'm, I, I'm gonna jump in the head a little bit mm-hmm. um, because when they realized that, um, we heard a name that how the story actually went. And remember what Dove said um, when they realized Jason Todd wasn't dead. She dropped a nice little name. That's we know it's the reason why Jason Todd came back. She said was Ra's al
0: Yeah, that's dead. always. I mean, if you know, if you
1: know, if you know the story, he's the reason why he came back. But Dick, check that out. He was like, no, he's so he's too far away from, from, from here to do that. But, we're going to see how it goes. We don't know.
0: Yeah, because it's absolutely crazy when they jump in from episode 2 to episode 3 because when they kick off, the, you see that Dick is up digging the grave up of Jason Todd and he finds it empty, which is just insane. And then when he brings that news back to the team – this is where Dub is mentioned about Ghoul and it's already kind of brushed off, which I know in the comics that's probably how they're going to explain it. And maybe they're going to tease that for season four, which will be interesting. But I don't know if we're going to get that deep dive in this season per se. Even though I will say if they do Razaghoul on Titans, I will definitely mark out for that. But we do get <laughs> caught up to the Red Hood doing more red hood things. And I got to say, if I have to complain about one thing on this show, this is going to be the storyline of Hawk in this episode. Because really, how dumb are you in this? Let's be honest. Because, because like when we first see this happening, we see a very distraught Jason Todd calling for help and Hawk picks up. So during the briefing that's going on, he decides to go on his own and have this call with Jason. And Jason's giving this, oh my God, I'm not responsible for my actions. And he's all frantic. And all of a sudden, Hawk is like, don't worry, I'll save you. And takes off. Yeah, that and... was that. You go. Yeah, go ahead. No, no. Yeah, no, no, I... he, that was dumb. I'm like, Hawk, he just
1: um, tried to kill y'all. Built the whole bank to a spare state. Try to kill y'all in a bank. He done killed um, um, Mopsa, second in the command, and you're gonna answer a phone call from this guy, like it's all good. Like
0: that was so stupid, Hawk. That was that was dumb. That was. Yeah, no, that was that was stupid, and it, like we get worse with it too. Even though, at least I will say this, Beast Boy is the only one that's got a clue of what's going on during this entire thing because Dick is so hell-bent about repairing the relationship with Barbara because it's already on Chili's terms right now. And he's so determined about saving Jason Todd that nobody thinks maybe we should call Bruce. And Beast Boy, (laughs) of all people, is like, you know what? I'm going to just shoot him a message and say, hey, by the way, the whole reason you went crazy, yeah, he's running around terrorizing Gotham. Just want to put that out there. Like, seriously, like he's he's the only one that has the smarts, because as we see, Hawk has no smarts whatsoever, because he decides to go on this wild goose chase through Gotham until he goes to an abandoned Gotham gym. And I don't know about you, Dre, but the first sign indicator that something was going to be in trouble is when Jason Todd is telling him to strip naked. Yes, I. He told me he don't
1: want to hear. He want to see if he's got a wire him and all that stuff and get rid of your um cell phone. I yeah that and then in the pool. I mean, I was disgusted. Like,
0: what's wrong with you? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I thought, I honestly thought he had Joker toxin in there because of how bad that pool looked. That look, that thing didn't look like it's been clear clean in thirty years. I literally sat there and I'm like, oh, he's gonna turn him into a Joker or, or do something here. Okay, like I can understand the wire, but like Hawk. You're not exactly a rookie superhero. You understand how this goes. What the hell are you doing? But sure enough, he's like, "Well, if you know this makes you happy." And like he's joking around about the whole thing. It's like, "Buddy, I, you you just came in. You got the complete upbrief that Jason Todd is running through Gotham like a madman, literally. Yet you want to mm-hmm. go save him by yourself and you go strip naked into a pool that looks like it hasn't been cleaned in 30 years." Okay.
1: and, well, and, then, and, then, and he and he's Showing the you know the stereotype of dumb jock. Yes. In this whole scene right here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was complete just he, such a dumbass move. I mean, I'm sorry to put it out there. I will say though, acted very well. Like he, you know, Mark R- or Alan Richardson really embraces this role of Hawk. Like he gets how to play him, and it definitely works out to him. So I'll say, I have nothing about how Richardson plays him. I think he did him very well. It's just Hawk, the character is just like. Man, how do you not see this coming up? Because sure enough, after he gets told to swim through the entire pool of nasty water, he comes out the other side and gets choked out by Jason Todd, who's now in full red hood armor. And we find out that, yeah, Hawk's plan to save him goes very, very badly because what happens when he returns to Wayne Manor? We had a bomb attached to his heart yeah,
1: and it's not it's not an any bomb or a bomb. It's a Wayne Tech bomb that
0: has never been used yet. So he's the guinea pig for this bomb. Yeah, this is nuts. Like how Wayne Tech is just lying around with this detached bomb that can go spike through your arteries into your heart, and when the beats stop at a certain degree, it's going to blow up. So now the race against time is on for our heroes. Dick Grayson is freaking out because he's like, well, I got him into this mess. I got to figure a way out. So he assigns Connor, Superboy, to go read through the schematics and put a bomb together. Now, we have to remember at this time, too, Connor Kent is still growing up. He's not exactly the one we knew in the comics. He's still very much, I don't want to say a child, but he's definitely not on that level to be putting something like this together. I digress. I understand why cuz he's Superman Jr. so he can fly through and he do this cuz really, he, he he read everything. stuff quite
1: fast. he could put things together fast. Um he could do all that. So yeah, I understand. You know, he's he's the next he's the closest thing he has to to Flash right now.
0: Yeah, which I I understand under the circumstances, but I'm also sitting there the entire time I'm like yeah, I your back's against the wall, but maybe we should have made a call to Wally West or possibly Barry Allen. Just going to put that out there. I digress. Here we are against the clock. (laughs) Because then Dick Grayson decides to go pay another visit to uh, our favorite profiler in Arkham. And while he's obviously getting uh, very uh, uplifted, he is kind of steering him into another a way about like, oh yeah, well this is how you, you defeat the bomb and you figure a way out and he steers him the the way to go do it because he's like, basically says, it's Wayne Tech, you have it in your computer. So at this point, you have to figure out, Scarecrow has got more going on here than we all know. And that's the way I took how it. How do you
1: know all this? How do you know all this? How do you know it is the tech and where you got to, how do you know this? Once again, I'll go back to... That Batman killing joke the scene, but I digress. We're gonna see how that plays out.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I cause I'm sitting here watching this and like he knows way too much. And I understand it's one thing to be smart, because obviously Batman does have a very smart rogue scaler. We've seen this with the Riddler, Professor Pig, uh Scarecrow. Like he deals with geniuses. So this is where the intellect battle comes in. But I digress. Like, I'm sitting here watching. him' like, he knows way too much about this. And, like, how would you know that this is from Wayne Tech? But as you see, Dick is going against the clock to figure this out. We see Starfire is working with Barbara Gordon. And they do see somebody stealing the body from the morgue. So they do know how Jason Todd did leave the police station. But they're not sure exactly how he got from point A to point B. B being the Red Hood. And we do see that Dick is on his way uh, to confront this character and kind of figure out what's going on because they do profile the henchman. And unfortunately, by the time they get there, Dick is too late because the henchman is thrown out a window onto the car. (laughs) So they're up against the wall there because their one lead about where Jason Todd was is gone or basically how he is where he is. And meanwhile, dove who has a reconciliation with Hawk, is on her way to save the day because basically the Red Hood's deal was if you give me gold bars like a James Bond villain, I'll give you the device to stop the bomb from going off. Which I mean, and, and, I, and I don't
1: think, and I, and I don't think um, this scene with her and with Dove and Hawk making out, I don't think that will help the cause of him keeping his heart at a certain
0: pace, so he don't blow up early. Thank you. just
1: saying, let's put it it out there. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Like, I, I, and obviously when we get to the end of the episode, I have a theory about this as well too. But we do see that after she uh, rekindles a relationship and gets his heart going, she decides to go steal the gold bars. And then she does a meetup because after she goes and does steal these gold bars, Jason Todd gives her an ultimatum and says, there's the device to deactivate the bomb. And it turns out to be a gun. And in his hand, at a distance, he's holding up a device that looks like a deactivator. And what he says is the bomb is triggered to him. So if you kill me, you save the day. And meanwhile, (laughs) Dick Grayson has figured this out and is on his way to stop Dove. They get into a little skirmish. Meanwhile, everybody else is saying goodbye to Hawk in Wayne Manor. And we get the final buildup because as we see time is running out. Superboy is sitting there and he's trying to go as fast as he can to build his machine. He finally does it because he can't do it unless it has a 0% chance of failure. And as he's running up the stairs in super speed, too, we have to keep this in mind. The timer Mm -hmm. is down to almost single digits. He's just about there. Dove is the gun. Hold on. Dick is sitting there screaming, don't do it. She pulls the trigger with five beats left. And then Jason goes, oh, by the way, you had the detonator. Mm. Kills Hawk. Wow. I literally yes. went, this is brilliant writing right here. I don't know. How, what was your take on this scene?
1: Yes, when I saw that scene, first of all, he kind of redeemed himself from being a dumb jock that he was earlier. Yeah. But he was singing that little song at the end, and it was touching. But when it happened, I jumped up off my couch. I was like, wait, what? I thought so would have got there in time, but I guess not. And I was like, wow, what a way for this episode to go down. That was crazy.
0: Yeah, I fully agree. I sat there. I was like, this is brilliant holy smokes, this is insane because Jason Todd escapes, you have Dove crying because now she officially killed him off because she almost killed him when they had their reconciliation. So maybe this entire time it was a plot to kill him. I don't know. going to throw the. I know it's a wild theory, but you never know these days. And we see mm-hmm. that with Dove, I mean, obviously, all kidding aside, she is overwhelmed with grief because she was trying so hard to save Hawk. They had the reconciliation. And now it's completely up in smoke and it's her fault. So what is going to happen with her character moving on is anybody's guess. And we still even haven't seen Raven enter the fold and possibly a resurrected Donna Troy, because once they come to Gotham too, it will be a much needed boost in the arm. But right now, Red Hood is winning and dominating in fashion. But I want to know your theories going into the rest of the season here, Dre. What do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, all right, before I get to that, um, and I remember Starfire saying that she was tired of losing friends, and she just lost another one. So how is this going to affect her as well? Great she's call. already going. She lost enough, and now it's like I lost another friend of mine. And then I'm having these weird visions, which we know what the visions are about and who she's seeing, but we're not going to get there yet. We, we we know we we know who she's seeing and what's going on, but I think. This season is gonna be great. I think they're gonna redeem themselves this season. I think Batman didn't really kill Joker. I honestly believe Mister Crane is behind this, the master of the mind to a certain extent. Um, and Jason Todd is winning, and he's twenty steps ahead of them. And I don't know how they're gonna get a grip on what's gonna happen. Only Tom will tell. And we didn't. Ha- and we still haven't seen. The new Robin Pitt here yet? Tim Drake is here, but mm-hmm. he's not Robin yet. So he down the line. And I also think it's something with his cousin that's gonna come up in the future. Because his cousin might mm. be the bad guy. But we'll we see how that plays out. And hopefully, Beast Boy could change more to another animal than a tiger. I'm tired of seeing the tiger. Yeah, you y- 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 have enough money to afford them to turn to an elephant, a snake, a gorilla, something. I'm tired of seeing the tiger. Come on, work on that. Um, Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I fully agree with you. I I think that you're going to see more of Beast Boy, especially he's trying to study, it looked like National Geographic to really get some ideas of what else to turn into. But I fully agree with you. I think that obviously Scarecrow has got more going on with this than we all know about. And the fact that if you notice that the Venom that, at least I'm going to call it Venom, that Jason Todd took at the beginning of episode one of season three, was yellow that's usually fear toxin
1: fear toxin yeah
0: so with that being said i think scarecrow has somehow manipulated jason todd into becoming the red hood as he is now what end game there is i'm not sure of just yet other than the to torment batman and basically force him to leave gotham so he could take over which is still an elaborate plan and i fully see that happening But I'm also wondering how they're going to reverse this to Jason Todd because I fully think that he gets his redemption at the end of the season, even though, let's face it, he's done some horrible things. But if he's out of his body, that might be the reason why because the worst nightmare that I think any Robin can have is that they become Batman and basically go lose control. So that being said, I think that this is the worst nightmare that could happen. And I think for Jason Todd... If he's, if he's not proven to have that redemption arc, it'll be really interesting to see how the writers write him. But to see how the rest of the Titans deal with this, especially because this is something really out of their element, and at least into my memory, and please correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong, at O.D. Parley Hour, we really haven't seen the Titans hang out in Gotham. They've usually done their own thing, been away from tying in with like a Superman universe or a Batman universe.
1: Yeah, I never seen them in Gotham. Anyone? It's Nighthawk. I mean, my bad. Uh, sorry, Nightwing. Yeah, <laughs> Nightwing. So anyone I seen in the Gotham is Nightwing. The rest of them I never seen them hang out. But also, we got to figure out how did Jason Todd come back, or was he ever completely dead?
0: Yeah. See, that's the you thing we it? we don't know about because they didn't go the full death in the family like they did in the comics to really make sure he was dead. Like, let's not get it mixed up here. We knew in the comics he was dead. Like, they did not leave mm-hmm. any any realm of thought that he survived. After getting beat with a crowbar to death, they still blew him up. So they put a big exclamation point on that death. Now, they didn't do that here. It was just period. But still, they got some explaining to do about that. And like I say, if they really want to hang out in Gotham, which for all means, go ahead and do right now. I think that's added a whole different layer to this show. It'll be interesting to see how they play that story out. But so far out the gate, though, They've really hit it on all cylinders. And like I said, the only hiccup I've had is how they wrote Hawk in that third episode. Because it's like, he did play the dumb jock. And I get that that, that was a character, but it's was like, man, like how gullible could you be about this? But it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's anybody's guess. But three episodes in. Final thoughts on the episodes thus far, Dre? Excellent start. Um,
1: a, I'm hyped about the season. Like I said before, I wasn't as hyped with season two beginning, even though they got to, I think it got better in the middle and then fell, fell off at the end. But this got me psych- hyped the first three episodes, and
0: I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm with you completely. I think this has been a complete win thus far, even reminding us about how good these characters can work together. But especially with Dick Grayson being brought to screen, You're really seeing how he's evolved in that character, and Brendan Thwaites has been doing an excellent job with him too because he's been the basic focal point of the season because he has now become the protector at Gotham, whether he likes it or not. Now, granted, he has some help from his friends, but he's definitely Mm -hmm. treading water right now against somebody who's been trained by the same person who trained him, and that was the whole thing about the season one is how he was basically Batman's weapon. Well, now how does another weapon defeat a weapon? That's what we're going to find out this Mm -hmm. season with the scarecrow waiting in the wings. Yeah. Like that's what I fully see happening. And when it comes to the the realization, which I mean, I, like I say, this is just a wild guess, but that's how I think they're working this, that the scarecrow has been pulling all the strings all along, but to see how they overcome Mm -hmm. this. My only wish though, is they need to finish strong. If they have another bad finale, I am not going to be a happy Mm -hmm. viewer to say the least. Exactly. Exactly. And
1: I like what I also like the point that Jason Todd actually told when he fought Nightwing. He was like, You are better than me. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he realized that. And I was like, Oh, okay. He's realizing that. That was a good point right there as well. Yeah. A lot of win thus far on HBO Max. If you get a chance to watch it, and I highly recommend you do, Dre does too. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPOD. Three episodes down to DCE Universe's Titans. What do you think, ODPH Society? Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, my name is JT. What's up, everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Josh.
2: Hey, guys, I'm Christian.
1: Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers.
0: We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe.
1: Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you.
0: You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on.
2: You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers
0: podcast. We hope you enjoy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with the one and only Dre Driven on the line. And DC did not come with one big premiere this week, but two in our opinions, because I will say the sleeper hit of last year had to be DC Universe slash... CW's Stargirl. And obviously we know since last year, they have now made the official jump to strictly CW. We had a lot of question marks going on with this show because the modern day retelling of the JSA story, starring Breck Bassinger as Courtney Whitmore, a.k.a. Stargirl, Yvette Montreal playing Wildcat 2, Angelica Washington playing Dr. Midnight, Cameron Gellman playing Our Man, and the one and only Luke Wilson playing Pat Dugan, aka Stripe, definitely stole. We, oh, we go.
1: We don't. We don't. He wasn't coming back because the went with the CW. The CW money is not the same as the money they had the um, universe. So we were shocked he came back. I said, like, okay, that's what's up. Yeah, because <laughs> he, he
0: he definitely was so good in this role, and especially to do his suit of armor too is no easy mm-hmm. task on the CGI. So we were all kind of wondering, like. It's going from a streaming cable network now to regular network TV. How is this all going to play out? And obviously with how good last season was with their battle against the Injustice Society and how we have the modern retelling, we really had a lot of questions going in. hell of a cliffhanger last year. And we finally got the return to Blue Valley that we were waiting on. So we are going to be talking spoilers about the premiere of Stargirl. You know the drill by now. Once we give the countdown, it's game on. So in three, two, one, Dre, what did you think?
1: All right, well, before we begin, I have to admit, um, this opening scene scared me. Creepy little kids scared me to death. Um, so when this happened... Um, I was scared on my mind. I was like are we watching CW or FX? And a good thing about that is like thanks to my uncles they used to babysit me and watch all these horror movies with me as a kid. They kind of traumatized me. Oh shit! So I love y'all I love y'all <laughs> I love y'all guys but this is the reason why this scene creeped me out and I'm mad enough to admit that I was scared to death when I saw this scene.
0: I will admit with you, man, this scene creeped me the hell out. Because we open up in Melody, Indiana, decades ago. Like, that's how it was worded. And we see this child on a porch pouting that she can't go to a birthday party. And then we see how this Chucky-esque doll from Child's Play is now come to life and is being the devil on her shoulder saying, oh, why don't you just come across the street and you can go to the party? It'll be like everything else. And he's being so creepy about it. I was going like, what am I watching? Because this does not feel like CW. Even like Supernatural doesn't teeter around that kind of darkness level that I'm just getting the vibes from here. They do a great job with it, so don't don't get it wrong. I love Supernatural. But still, this just had a whole different vibe like Dre was talking about. And then as we see, she nearly gets killed crossing the road. And then the boy is saying, well, why don't you steal a present? The girl already has enough. On an open porch, there's all these presents for a birthday party. She takes one. And then during this, you see the doll is shifting to a decaying doll. And then the boy turns out to be Eclipso, a longtime DC Comics villain. And apparently the girl is killed. Like, we never see the body, but we see her mom run across the street looking for her and just a scream of terror. Dre, like I say, intense scene to say the least? Yes, it was intense. Once again, it was scary.
1: And we had a little Easter egg because if you notice, Ken, what who, or what was in the driveway at the family house? What was that? It was um, Mr. Pat's um, old card that he uses... In this day and age now, that was parked
0: in that in that parking lot. Interesting. I house. I missed that at first. Great catch on that. Because once we have that very creepy intro, we get brought to present time where our team is now training, quote-unquote, uh, around Blue Valley. And there is no crime to be had.
1: Oh, but what we have, we have to get is Supergirl. I mean, it's Girl. But it's Stargirl Summer School.
0: Yes, because it's the off time of school right now. Like, I mean, the school year is winding down. And basically everybody is trying to figure out what they're going to do for the summer. Because let's face it, they're teens. I mean, and this is Blue Valley. They've already defeated the Injustice Society. Like, what else is there to go on right now? And we do see the team is kind of like, well, when you're ready to do something, uh, yeah, we'll let us know. But Stargirl is like hell bent in high water. Like we will not stop the fight. We will do six days a week training and, and and looking for trouble. And everybody else is kind of like, yeah, about that. Yeah, Ken. They 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 are, they are so bored in that town.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you could tell by that whole scene.
0: Oh, I know. Like it, it's it's absolutely hysterical. And I, but it, just, it goes to the charm of the show. Like that's the one thing we don't talk about too much, is just Blue Valley is a character onto itself. And it's the complete anti-Gotham City. It is small town USA. And you can definitely tell, like, it's not a lot going on in town when it, it's summertime. Like, everybody's just kind of just vibing. And everybody is kind of, Martinus, the JSA is like, yeah, we're, we're good here. Um, let us know when we need to come back. <laughs> and we do see that at 4 a.m., uh, Stargirl is still looking through JSA files, which was interesting. And Stripe Mm -hmm. comes down to check on her. So we do see the Luke Wilson is back in the fold. Awesome to see him back. And is basically saying, hey, you need to focus on school. Like, you don't need to be really looking for trouble at 4 a.m. from JSA Files. Even though she's definitely, like, calling out some uh, character names, too. So it's kind of a very cool moment we see. But it ultimately comes down to what I think is going to be the underlying theme of this season. And that's going to be... Stargirl versus Courtney, real life versus superhero life. I mean, that's the way I took it.
1: We got to dial back to the opening scene. We forgot to mention Um, when that happened to the little girl and the mom. We pan over to the house, and a name appeared on the on a box, the mailbox. Um, Mick Nader, who's Mick Nader? Kid, Doctor Midnight. Yes, Charles McNader. So this little girl wasn't any
0: ordinary girl. She was Dr. Midnight's daughter. Interesting. Man, you got the, the Easter eggs on this. I love it. And, yeah, I mean, that's just something they're going to tie into because, I mean, Eclipso's history is, is very well known through the DCU. And to see that how they're going to portray this on screen is not going to be anything good for anybody involved. But to see how he's been so seated in the history of the JSA is a very cool throwback. I gotta give you that. So great pickup on that too. And then we kind of get the scene, which I think definitely said a lot for this episode. Is Courtney is still in possession of a lot of the JSA artifacts, which I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing or not. But yeah,
1: I don't think it is. All that in one place, and not in a in the so-called for for um. Fortress of Solitude, or whatever you want to call that place that we was at. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's smart to
0: have it in the basement. <laughs> yeah, no, just hanging out in her basement, she has a Green Lantern battery, which decides to start being active after it's been dormant for an entire season. Yeah, that's never good. And we do find out a little <laughs> later in this episode why it's not good. Because then the <laughs> next day we see that the family is planning a trip away from blue valley and we do see a lot of what is going on with the other members of the jsa at this time the dr midnight is now desperately trying to reboot the ai on her glasses and unfortunately she finds out that her parents are going to get a divorce so dre what was your reaction to this scene
1: yes um it was really i think it was really touching that like she's Lost her best friend somewhat, even though she had the other girls as best friends. She lost her best friend in the in the in the goggles, and now her parents the the that she thought was happy, together. And, you know, in her you know happy perfect world in her mind, she realizes not perfect,
0: and they're getting a divorce, and she is not taking it very well. Yeah, no, I think and Washington did a, this scene very well. I mean, her acting this definitely being the outsider looking in, so to speak from the rest of the team, that she's the uh, socially awkward member. She definitely has been trying to really connect with somebody on the team, and now that well, the one connection she thought she had with her family is now going to get torn apart. It's going to be interesting to see how she plays out. And then the other one that really jumped out at me was Wildcat, and Yvette Monreal has been dealing with what she did last season, and you see that she has flashbacks to when she had to kill Brainwave to save the town and just how she's dealing with that. I thought that that was a very, very intense scene. I don't know about you.
1: Yes, it was. She's still, um, it's still bothering her that she had to do it, what she had to do. And she still can't come to the grip with it. And we see that she's going to do it. First of all, you know, her last season or her family didn't like, wasn't accepting her. And she finally found family with, with the new crew. And then now she uh, made the mistake in her mind that she did last season. And now was coming back and she just can't deal with it.
0: Yeah. I, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Because, we I mean, like we say, these kids are now getting thrown into the superhero world. I mean, they're not exactly seasoned veterans. And obviously, that's an intense thing to deal for being a teenager, let alone anybody. But it's going to be interesting to see how they play it out. I thought that, that was another powerful scene. And then the other member of the team, definitely we had a little uh, interesting flashback, so to speak. Because as we see, our man is going back to where he lives. He finds a footprint. And we all know who Footprint Mm -hmm. that is. Dre? He was, yes, yes, Solomon Grundy. Yes. So Grundy. On a Monday. Yes. (laughs) Grundy is not dead, as we all thought. But now he's roaming free in Blue Valley. I don't know how they keep him under wraps, but we'll find out. And our man, after that's been his whole mantra, is just defeating Grundy. Now that he has, he's almost shown like a sympathetic side to him. Because we see later in the episode, he brings him food. So that's going to be an interesting play of how they they interact with each other moving forward in the scene,
1: and then we will ca- Solomon will Solomon join the JSA on the good
0: side? We will see. Yeah, we will see. I I can't see him though doing that. Even though that would be something. I mean, you never say never, but you got to think that that might be something they might want to try doing because Grundy, I mean, is such a popular character too. Then we take the jump, though, back to school, and this is kind of where the underlying theme of this is going to be, I think, for the season, is Courtney is not exactly making a lot of friends uh, with the members of the ISA that are still hanging around school because she does get into a little skirmish with Artemis, and they immediately are ready to throw down. And this is all coming on the heels that she is not going to be having that summer vacation she planned. She has been failing a little bit in the history test that she was told to study for, and she is now lined up to go to summer school. And joining her in that... the title. (laughs) Yeah. the title of the show, Summer School. Yes. (laughs) So plays right in, explanation made, uh, being a superhero does not equal good grades. Our man is finding that out too because he is caught uh, cheating on a test and he fails, so it looks like he might be joining her on the school summer list as well. And Pat and company are not ha- happy about this at all. And they decided to do the only thing which parents can do. And that's going to be grounding a superhero because Stargirl is not allowed to be Stargirl for a while. So, Dre, thoughts on that? I mean, she's still a minor. Regardless of superpowers, she
1: still got parents. I mean, Mr. Clark Kent probably listened to his parents, even though he had powers that he could take anybody out, Mr. Superman, but he listened to his parents. So, it's because you are, you're a superhero, you're a minor. Your parents still are in charge, people, young ones, so remember
0: that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Being being a superhero doesn't mean you can skip school, so you got to make sure to stay on those grades. And that is going to lead to some very, very interesting uh, adventures this summer for the team. However, though, we did get a little more excitement because as Courtney is grounded, she realizes she has a visitor in her house. And it's not just any visitor... But it is somebody that is coming in to take a look for a certain artifact that was activated. And this is where things get a little bit wild for this episode. So we do get some action going on. And who makes their appearance, Dre? Green Lantern's daughter. Yes. So we get Jade making her appearance on the show. And this turns out to be an absolutely wild action scene in the middle of the house like i can't even get into just how crazy this is going on
1: talk about home repair they gotta fix a lot they did a lot of damage in that three minutes
0: of fighting oh yeah (laughs) like they did not mess around with this at all like this was absolutely crazy to see how this was all gonna shape off like it just was all over the place of just tearing up a live, or a kitchen middle of the night, like nothing happens. And we we just see Yaisa Pinero is playing J, uh, Jenny Lynn Hayden this season. So it is the daughter of Alan Scott, as we know her as Jade. And we just see, like, she shows up, and she is obviously drawn to the Green Lantern ring that Courtney has activated and or somehow has been activated. Like, we're still not a 1,000% sure about that. But it's kind of wild to see how this is all shaping out because they're battling basically everybody kind of has to figure out, like, okay, well, you showed up. What are you doing here? It is a little awkward, but, hey, we're going to kind of dig into that as we go. We do also see at another point, too, that the Starman that we think is the original, played by the one and only Joel McHale, uh, is now on the trail looking for... One only Pat Dugan. So we have some unfinished business from last season going on. How are you feeling about that, Dre?
1: Yes, I think um, they have to make amends, so to speak. He's looking for him, and but also let's add this that you know, Mr. Pat this inherited not as formal Alfred <laughs> because that scene that his little buddy was gonna his friend was gonna watch over the garage. And he said they'll go into this room, and that his buddy found that robot. So can we have a new, uh, low budget or a lower version of Alfred? But I think when it comes back to him looking for Pat, something went down, something went wrong, and we gonna find out what's the problem and who is this the real Starman or is he a copy? We're
0: going to see. Yeah, that's the one thing i, I they've been very, very kind of tight lipped about because you never know what's going to happen here. And I think that when they finally decide to explain that whole history, even though he's on the right track, it just kind of makes you wonder because there's just something shady going on there. And then we get the mic drop moment of the episode too. Like I said, this had a lot of good stuff going on, but I got to admit, you have to be a fan of the one and only Cindy Berman. Played by Meg DeLacy, who is doing the mean girl role and being an absolute badass in her own right, the daughter of the Dragon King comes back and now has a secret lair hooked up in school. Like, how does this go? Exactly,
1: and if you look at the, you look at the folder. It's called the Injustice, Injustice Unlimited. Yes. Team. Nice payoff nice pay from the Justice League Unlimited. <laughs> so this is the Injustice Unlimited that she's getting together. And I like the song that she came out with, too. I, I can't think about it now, but it was it fit her really well.
0: Yeah, because obviously she just plays that role of being the villain so well on this show. And we do see how she's trying to do some recruiting. She did have Courtney's brother on the page, too. So I thought that yes. was interesting. And we do see Artemis is on there as well. Cameron, she has a lineup ready to go, and we do know that she is being possessed by Eclipso. So this is going to be an absolute mind-blowing season. But overall thoughts on the premiere of Stargirl? Just like season one, it started off
1: great. Season one was started off with a bang. This one started with a bang. Um, scary. But it was a bang, and it ended. It's like season one's episode, first one, ended really well. This one ended well. And it's such a world builder
0: that they started in this one episode. So
1: I can't wait to see how the season goes.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Like, they came back very strong. Like I say, it it wasn't exactly like a a complete home run. Because, I mean, when they got away from being like the superhero buildup, which you had to expect that was going to happen, You had to figure that, okay, we got to kind of balance this out a little bit with some kind of drama with the team and obviously being involved with school. Like They kind of focused a little more this episode on the outside superhero world, which is not exactly an end-all, be-all angry about, but it just kind of took away a little bit, I thought, from the episode, but nothing that was game-changing, nothing that I sat there and was like, oh, I'm angry about. They really were hitting their stride, and they're just doing so many big... Easter eggs to build for too, especially with Cindy coming back. She, I forgot her nickname is Shiv because she is just such a, a dominant force. And she, just when she gets on screen with star girl, it's always just back and forth banter between those two. And you can definitely tell the good and evil right going on there. So I thought there was a lot of win about this. I was happy to see that in my opinion, there really wasn't a drop off from changing over from CW to, to DC universe or vice versa rather. I thought that everything kind of looked the same. It didn't have like a, a vibe that you could tell there was a difference. And I thought it was a really good thing too about that. And just so much yeah, wind. Yeah. Like I, I, I just saw it because that was the one thing too. Whenever a show transitions from another network to a network, you can kind of tell like there's a different vibe to it. And I just think that coming from the DC universe and now, and well, HBO Max, I guess we should just say that too. But even though it started on DC universe, to see it come to the CW, it just didn't feel like there was a fall-off. And I love that. And I cannot stress that enough, too. Because what they had on the DC Universe for their shows, I thought were really strong shows. And I and I like to see that they keep up that quality. Obviously, being on HBO Max, you can do a lot more things than you can do on CW. But Stargirl still hit it out of the park. Definitely felt it was a strong episode. And I can't wait to see where we go this rest of the season. Give us more JSA and give us some more absolute wild stuff going on. There's no more creepy kids, though. And... And
1: we're looking at you, Diggs, because we got a Green Lantern in the first episode. When are you going to change and recognize that ring, Diggs? But that's a question. That's a discussion for another time, Ken.
0: I agree. I fully agree. I, I don't even want to get into it about how Diggle is not just put on the ring, said he's Jon Stewart, and it's a wrap. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 he's, he's already walked around a couple episodes talking about the ring. Like, seriously. <laughs> make it happen.
1: We got a good in this first episode of Stargirl.
0: Yes! <laughs> like, seriously, Arrowverse, what are we doing? Stargirl has already, already introduced other heroes into this that Arrow and, and the company have not done, in my opinion, like for years. Come on! <laughs> Man, you're gonna get me all fired up. You know that I'm, I'm wait I cannot wait to see when John Diggle puts on the ring and goes Green Lantern. It's gotta happen. I don't even care if it's for a quick cameo on the uh, HBO Max show when that comes out. Give it to me. Make it happen. We need this. But we also need to yes. hear but we also need to hear your opinion, ODPH Society. What is your thoughts about Stargirl? Are you on board yet? What did you think about the premiere of season two? And what are you expecting for this upcoming season? We need to have that discussion. I'm gonna to get too fired up. I gotta get a quick break out of the way. We'll be right back.
2: This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from
1: Sidroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH podcast.
2: Wanna go where I'm, no one knows my name? To the desert, the oceans, or the plains.
0: Cause I wanna. Coming back for the final segment on this edition with the ODPH podcast with Dre driven on the phone. Dre, how about those one shots? What you got? Yes, well, I have a couple one-shots. Um, this one is, a
1: am giving you a spoiler warning, fair warning. I'm about to spoil you a show. Um, the show, Turner and Hoosh on Disney+. Plus. Um, Disney+, Plus been great with these shows. I know me and Coach, hash out the Coach. Uh, we enjoyed the um, Mighty Ducks series. And this one is a pretty good one as well. Turner and Hoosh. You know, If you know the story, you know the background, you know the movie with Tom Hanks. And this is a new take on it with Josh Peck playing Scott Turner, but there's a catch. I was always thinking, was this connected to the movie? Come to find out, in episode three that was titled "A Good Day to Do- a good day to dog hard, which was really I got their take of die hard. It was really good. Um, we find out that a um, uncle, our bro- our uncle David showed up. And if you know who Uncle David is from Turner Hooch, that was Tom Hanks buddy from uh Reginu, Van um, John Bell Johnson, Miss um um Carl Carl Wizard from Family from Family Matters. Oh, okay. That was Tom Hanks that was Tom Hanks buddy in the show. He popped up in his episode and they called him Uncle David. So surprise, this the Turner Hooch universe is connected. Wow so, is Turner Junior. Tom Hanks' son, and then and then in this series, Tom Hanks apparently died from a heart attack. But they, him and his sister is looking into a case, a side cases. They think that somebody killed Tom Hanks' character, but we'll find out. And the dog, if you remember the old movie, remember the Turner who had a, a, uh, some dogs. Some, some 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 he had some kids, and one of the kids was, was looked like him. And I assume that kid is the, what who is hooch now that's with Josh. So this universe is connected. This is a great show. I'm behind, I'm behind about a couple episodes, um, but I'm going to catch up. But I'm so happy to hear that and see that because I was confused about what what universe is in. But we kind of find out, Tom, this is Tom Hanks' son, Scott Turner Jr. So I um, look forward to that. Check it out, Disney+. Plus. If you haven't started it, he started, you only about five episodes in so far. So look at it, check it out, and let me know how you feel about it.
0: Yeah, I, you I know. Have another Go ahead. No, like for that show, like I, I know you and Coach Duffy talk about uh, like HBO or um, the Disney Plus remakes. And i like, I've always been just kind of skeptical of it. Just because it's like so many times when you try going back to recapture the magic, sometimes it just doesn't hit. So it's very mm-hmm. cool to hear that this is actually clicking on it, though. Definitely got to say that.
1: Yes, is it is so far. Um, so go check it out if you like to, um, you know, my podcast universe. Shang-Chi will have a release only in theaters. Some people are upset that they think they should put on Disney Plus because of the pandemic that we're in. But we um, was told that it's not getting a, a same-day They release on Disney Plus in the theaters, going straight to theaters. And I think it's about time. We can't keep pushing these movies back. We can't delay these movies. They got to get this board rolling. They got to get this whole situation going. So you want to see Shang-Chi? Sorry, you got to go to theaters.
0: Yeah, with everything going on with Black Widow, I kind of figured that Disney Plus was going to do it. So it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes up. Tickets are now on sale to see Shang-Chi. And I am already in line for that, so I cannot wait to go see it. I am lucky that I get to go to the theaters to check it out. And we'll definitely be talking about that on the ODPH in the upcoming weeks. Dre, what else you got?
1: Yes, and I have another one shot. Um, a buddy of mine's named Jamie, has opened up a comic book store. The name of the comic book store will be Comics Are For Kids. They will have a soft opening November, September 1st, um, and then a bigger opening mid-september more details with that later um what they will be offering they said they will be selling new and old comics pokemon cards garbage Pail kids cars magic cars sports cars and cards and more and they also said it will always be a special deal um for kids so kids will always have a special deal if you bring your kids to the, kids to the shop the shop will be at will be on um 161 16 Cross Bay Boulevard. That's Howard Beach, New York. Um, They're still working on a website. So I'll get the details for the website. I will get it over to my guys here and they can get it out there to y'all. And also, their their Instagram will be going up soon. So I'll get information over to my guys here as well. So support your local businesses. You know, he, he knows his stuff, he's the guy I go to. Um, and, and, uh, for my plug, when it comes to certain things, um, when it comes to certain comics and everything else, he, he's great with that. He um, is amazing. And um, just go check out the store. When it comes out, like I said, more details on the store. on When the website opens up, I will get the information over to my guys here, and they will take care of it and, and get it to y'all. So, support local businesses, you will not be disappointed. Once again, the store will be record Comics are for kids, so look out for that.
0: Yeah, definitely excited about that. It's always cool to be supporting local. We're big fans of doing that here in the 607, but we don't mind shouting out everybody else too because comics are for kids, they're for everybody. So the more we can kind of pump that message, we will absolutely do that. So for my one shots, well, this weekend was free comic book day. So definitely I will shout out my local shop, Sound Go Round in Vestal, New York. Uh, definitely was a fun time. I missed all the cosplay action, but I heard nothing but rave reviews, and definitely got down to pick up some issues. So, very cool stuff coming out. Valiant had a very cool free comic day, uh, showing some of the new Ninjax stuff. I mean, we're, I'm a big fan of that. If you read Parlay Points, new Exo Man of War, which I'll be reviewing this week. I uh, can't wait to deep dive into that one. And we did get a little taste of the Harbinger book that's coming out later this year. A lot of win for Valiant. Uh, on the Batman side of things, we got a preview of Fear State and I Am Batman, so some very cool stuff going on in the Bat Universe and also the King Shark Get Joker preview they did for Suicide Squad. And Marvel definitely is showing off a little things with uh, Spider-Man and Venom. Obviously, we know we're in a transition period with Nick Spencer leaving, and obviously Ben Riley taking over the mantle of Spider-Man. You know how I feel about that, so I don't want to get into too much, but I'm going to be giving it a read, and you know Padawan Jay is a super big fan of the book. So definitely a lot of stuff to check out there. Also, they had the Avengers and Hulk book. And Dre, I know you didn't get a chance to see it, but if I said the multiversal Masters of Evil, how does that sound to you? Hmm, interesting and, and confusing at the same time. Yeah, we, we kind of had a little small preview of that going on. And uh, we saw Kid Thanos with a big-ass gun. We see almost a return to the Age of Apocalypse Weapon X. There's a character that looks a mix of Victor Von Doom and Loki, in my opinion. Uh, Destiny, we see uh, basically a Venomized Spider-Man 2099 uh, so all of this is going down in Avengers, and the assault begins on Avengers 50, so definitely got a little preview of that, and we did get a little preview of what's going on with the new Incredible Hulk book that's going to be coming out. A uh, lot of win going on, and obviously free comic book day. Boom Studios had a lot of cool stuff, too. A lot of win, and just seriously, to get down to the comic shop, too, you, you got to really just be embracing it, because... It makes it very accessible for fans to get together, talk some comics. I was talking with some people in the store. I was rocking a new SWO production shirt. Shout out to our guy Stu, and I'll just having just straight up conversations about comics. I mean, it's always a cool thing to talk fans stuff with that. So you know, I just think that that's such a huge win. And definitely get out there, support your local comic shops, wherever you're at. Support your local comic podcast. You know we shout out Brian Wayne. Cheers to comics all day, every day here on the ODPH. Who, by the way, he's long overdue to return to the show. Just throwing it out there, Brian, I know you listen. And just seriously, get out there and support your shops. That's all I can really say about that. Uh, A couple quick shots before we sign out of here. As we record, August 17th. If you are still playing Marvel's Avengers, and I know our guys at ECA do that on Twitch a lot, we have an expansion coming out, a long overdue one, Black Panther War for Wakanda. So this is off the Play Avengers. Yes. So this is off the Play Avengers Twitter page. If you click on the link, the description goes like this. "Quote: The War for Wakanda is a free update to anybody who owns the base game. The expansion tells an original Black Panther story inspired by the comics and consulted on by Black Panther writer Evan Narcisse. Ulysses Klaue has infiltrated Wakanda's borders to mine the nation's precious vibranium, putting King T'Challa's leadership to the test. Dre, how you feeling about this?
1: I'm excited. It sounds so, so much fun-like. I can't wait to download it. I'm gonna download it. If I can't get it tomorrow, I'm gonna download it sometime this weekend to get into it. I look forward to it. Um it sounds fun. Um I have been playing the Kate Bishop story, which is pretty cool too, but I think it's gonna be twenty times better. So I can look I'm looking forward to it. I mean the game itself, I wasn't so thrilled with it. Um, but with these additions, um it have got me back into playing it. So it's panther the Black Panther um storyline should be fun. I look forward to it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think that they've done a really good job with all the side uh, character DLCs they've been doing. The King Bishop story has been great. Clint Barton making his appearance was cool. But Black Panther, I've been waiting to see come out too and see what else they have coming. Because like like you, like I wasn't blown away by the book or the game when it came out. Like I thought it was okay, but I wasn't blown away. But I think everything they've done, adding characters to this universe, I think has helped a lot and got me a little more interested in it. So I can't wait to go download this tomorrow as we record. So definitely excited to go play this for a while. And definitely I'll have probably something to say about it on Twitter too as well. So I'm excited. And lastly, we have talked a lot about DC shows this episode. But we would be reminisce if we did not talk about arguably the greatest show to come out of the DC Universe that is coming back September 23rd to HBO Max. And that is Season 3 of Doom Patrol. How excited are you, Dre? Dre?
1: I'm excited, you know, if you if you have watched if you watched Doom Patrol before, it was, it was a little is Trippy, but it's exciting. And this one this year, the season's gonna be a little Trippy again, I could tell from the trailer,
0: yeah. the trailer looks absolutely phenomenal. I have no idea what's going on, and I don't even care because it's that good of a show. That's all you really need. Diana Guerrero is back as Crazy Jane. April Bovi is back as uh, Rita Farr. And we have Matt Bomber coming back as Negative Man, a.k.a. Larry Trainer, and Brendan Fraser as Cliff Steele, a.k.a. Robot Man. Like, what else do you need in your life? And we can't forget about Jovian Wade, who's coming back as Cyborg as well. Like, the team is so good. And, and like, honestly, I didn't think Cyborg being on Doom Patrol would be as good as it was because we always know him from being with Teen Titans and the JS, or JLA. But, man, he is definitely fitting on this show, too. Like, I just... I, there's so much win about the show. If you haven't started watching yet start binge watching like right now let's get weird it's it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be absolutely crazy and doom patrol is just so damn good i, I cannot recommend it highly enough so when it gets closer to september you know we're gonna be talking about it here on the odph so basically start that binge watch now and don't miss it when it comes back september 23rd dre we've talked a lot this show tell the people where they can find you after the show
1: well you can find me eighty three dre Driven 83 on- um, Instagram and you know the other. I'm not on TikTok, so I'm not on air. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not yet.
1: It gets everybody. It gets everybody though. <laughs> but you can find me on there, and you know you can follow me on this link right here with the guys when He put it up on Twitter.
0: So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Shout at the Robots. They're a fantastic band. Dre, if I want to find out more about Shout at the Robots, where do I go? Well, you go to ODPHPodcast.com. Right on. You can find them there. Yes, you do. You go right over to the music section. You can check out everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with our guy Brian Wolf out of Austin, Texas, who just released some big news that you just got to go to social media and find out. Like, we can't even do justice trying to talk about it. You can also check out everything going on with Second Suitor. Tom Jolu, Yard Party, and all the amazing music acts you hear on the ODPH. You can also swing by the Classifies where you can find out about Friends of the Show, Organizational Links, Support, and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in. So definitely, we want to shout out everybody that's in the Apocalypse. We want to shout out everybody in Inner Circle. And of course, everybody in Hashtag 607 Podcasts, our guys, Rich, Ron, Mike C., and the one and only Big Natty Cool, diesel who folks i will tell you this if you really want to see what is going on with diesel one dollar will get you in the door three dollars to get you a comfy seat at the table at patreon.com slash 8122 productions and that's all i'm going to say because seriously i cannot even get into the world of diesel you just need to find out for yourself all of that new parlay points blogs dropping this week check out the t public store everything that you need that is odph is at odphpodcast.com Dre, I can't say thank you enough. This has been long overdue. It is a pleasure to have you on. And, man, let us talk New York Comic Con, because that is going to be coming up sooner than later.
1: Yes, yes. And, um, yes, I can't wait. It's right around the corner. We're going to be in there doing our thing. Um, And I want to end this way. Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way.
0: That's our only one and only Dre. Definitely go follow him, DreDriven83. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.